Welcome to the next episode of The Category Mistake. I'm your host, Richard Mariello, and this is three weeks in a row that I've actually been on time. Uh, This week, you can thank my wife, who has been reminding me that I wanted to do this today. Um, I was busy today hanging up Christmas lights, which, if you know anything about me, I hang up quite a few, and today I hung up a lot of stuff on the ladder, so it took a little more time and energy and I really didn't have the energy by the end of the day to do much. So I took a shower and said, you know what, I'm still going to do the podcast. And here I am. So today I'm talking about something I don't, I mean, I've probably talked about, but not addressed in a way that I think I haven't addressed it fully in my own way. That is the thoughts of expectations versus reality versus goals versus whatever. Um, I think as maybe as humans, as Americans, as people, as whatever we are, um, we have this, we always have expectations of everything. And then reality hits and usually the expectation is never what actually happens is not the reality and then there's goals you have goals you set up we have an expectation and you have a goal and you have reality um prime example expectation all my students will learn everything goal 80 percent of my students will learn everything reality 50 percent will learn everything it's just kind of putting it out there And I've always struggled with these because I've always wanted my expectations and my reality and my goals to be equal. Um, I've always thought, okay, if they're not equal, then I've done something wrong. There's there's a mistake somewhere. I didn't do something right. What did I do? Because it should be equal. It should be that if I teach my students right or if I do this or this or this, Everyone should see it the same way, and it's simple. Why can't it just be 100% always good to go? Well, of course, that's not as simple as it sounds. Expectations. Football team, we're going to go undefeated. Goal, make the playoffs. Reality, 500 team. Now, some of our expectations as human beings are ones we know they're, you know, it's going to be a white Christmas. It's, I'm going to lose 20 pounds after the new year. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to have children who always listen to me and do what's best. And I don't have to ever yell at them. And I'm going to teach them how to be on the straight and narrow path. And they're going to follow it forever. And I'm going to be better than a Hallmark movie. We all know those will never come true. Never. And if, and if you don't know, they'll never come true, okay? I don't want to burst your bubble or squash your expectations. But you probably, most of the world will not have a white Christmas, at least not in this area. We might, we might not, who knows. If you're in Buffalo, New York, you probably will. But other places, probably not. Your children will not always listen to you. They will not be perfect children. You probably won't lose 20 pounds after the new year because most New Year's resolutions don't stick. So those expectations, we kind of, we push those aside. Those are just 
Those are hopes. My struggle my whole life is my expectations of always, when I don't meet them, I beat myself up about them. Everything from eating better to exercising to the way I teach to the way I drive to the way I work with my kids and my grandkids. Everything is always, I want it to be perfect. And it can't be, can it? Can it really actually be the perfection that I'm looking for? And the reason, at least in my mind, for some of this is the people in my life that I grew up with, I looked at them as never making mistakes. Um, now, I'm not talking to my parents. I'm not talking because they made mistakes. Boy, yeah, we know from previous podcasts, they make mistakes. But I had certain individuals in my life, certain teachers, certain people who who just, um, in my mind, were perfect. And they never screwed up. They never did the wrong thing. Some of them, you know, were my age. Some of them were adults. And they just always seemed to do the right thing. And they never made bad choices. And that made me think that to be perfect, all I have to do is make the right choice. And if I make the right choice, everything will go right. That's not how the world works. And good, bad, or ugly, that's never how the world's going to work. Good people get squashed all the time. Prime example, you know, you have... Some people in this world who are multi-billionaires who are just bad people. But everything's gone right for them. They've made the right moves in their life to make themselves independently or dependently wealthy. And there are other people who do the right thing every day and can barely feed their family. So my question is, how do we as a people fight the expectations that other that we see in other people. So I grew up and there was a family with six kids and they their dad worked, mom stayed at home, six kids, three boys, three girls. They were good at everything. I never see saw them make a mistake. I never heard them curse. I never heard them do anything bad. When I got to know them better, it made it even worse because even their own home, they did all the work. They built their own home, basically. They built their own foundation. They did all this work by themselves. They were straight-A students. They're now even smarter than that. They're, they're living all over the world doing great, amazing things. And I think to myself, they didn't have any money. So how, how are they chosen? Are they perfect? It makes me go bananas. It makes me go bananas because I grew up down the road from them. I went to the same school as they did. I had every opportunity they had. So what made them perfect? What made them do things so right? And I felt like I was so wrong. Now, from fourth grade to eighth grade, I made a lot of bad choices. I did. And 
that's when I first met one of the brothers. He was in the same class as me. And he beat me at everything from track to band to chorus, anything that we were in the same class for, spelling. He was always better. So in junior high, I gave up trying. I gave up trying to beat him. I just, I went down an even darker path. I went and did things I shouldn't have done. Anyway, got into high school. I changed high schools, as we all know, from my previous podcast. If you don't, I went to a different high school than I had before. I went to a private school. I moved out of my house and changed my life a little bit. But what's fascinating to me is when I got to that school, there was that kid again. He was there again. He showed up. I'm like, I'm going to make a fresh start. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a new person. And there he was. And I thought, great. I'm going up against him again. And it's funny because when I finally got to know him, I realized he was never going against me. It was a one-way battle. He was just trying out for things. He was just trying to do his best. He wasn't, it wasn't personal to him. It was personal to me, but not personal to him. But I'm going to let you know, when I, my sophomore year of high school, for the Christmas play, I beat him out for the major, for the head roll. I beat him. And it was like literally amazing to me. Not because, oh, I'm better than him. It's because I'm like, wow, I finally, I'm finally on the board. Um, I'm on the board because I've been fighting all this time to get acknowledged. And I'm finally acknowledged. I'm finally, I finally exist. Now, no one had ever told me I didn't exist. But it was that expectation of, I've got it. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm awesome. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And he was always better. And this one time, finally, it worked. And it was great. And, and it really boosted my confidence. Now, this gentleman, along with most of my class at the school, um, they were better than me at everything except being bad. <laughs> they were better students. They were better at church. They were better at telling the truth. They were better at doing their homework. Everything you can think of you want as a student, they were better than me at. I was better at causing trouble making people do bad things or the wrong things and being disrespectful to teachers. I was very disrespectful to a lot of teachers. Not all of them. There was a few I was not disrespectful to, but there was a few that I was. And I wasn't disrespectful because I hated them. It's because, and I, and I expect this out of my students and sometimes they do push me to do this, but if I act like I know everything, and then a student asks me to explain it, and my answer is because to me that's not that's not my job. I should I should clarify. I should make it I should make it that I I show my student that I do know what I'm talking about. And if I don't, say I don't know. I had some teachers who were in the mode of I'm a teacher, you're a student, shut up and listen. 
Not good with that. Um, I went into school expecting to be taught by people who would teach me everything I needed to know to succeed. And they would take the time to teach me everything I needed to know. And if I had a question, they would answer it. Not all of them did. And it really angered me. And I made sure they understood that. So that's one part of it. And then growing up and going through high school more, I know high school's not really growing up, but it was for me. It really was. I had a lot of thoughts and ideas. My expectations were I was going to get out of high school. I was going to go to college and I would do something. I realized I was really good at public speaking. I like talking in front of people. It doesn't bother me at all. So I'm like, at first, maybe I'll be a pastor because it was a Christian school and that was one of the things they, that pushed, but encouraged loudly, mostly with me because I did a lot of events where I spoke a lot. Um, Maybe youth leader because I liked being young and stupid and I could still talk and preach and da, 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 da. But then my senior year happened and what came about was I didn't want to do that. I had been told two years prior that I should be a teacher. And of course, I laughed at that. I laughed at that because, you know, I'm not a teacher. That's what I kept telling myself. I'm not one because, you know, teaching is no money, no respect, and you have to know a lot. And while I thought I knew a lot, and while I knew talking in front of people is something I could do, I didn't want to have to take the time to learn about my students and care about them. I didn't want to care about them. That's that's basically what it was. But what's funny is the longer and more the year went along, the more I realized maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And that senior year, a lot of things mentally changed for me. One, I met my wife um, that February. I met my wife. I had moved into a friend's house, and I was living with them. And these people were perfect, too. It's crazy the amount of perfect people I was surrounded by. It really messes up your mentality when you're around really good people all the time. Um But also that year, I realized that the perfect people weren't all perfect. And at first, I'm like, yes, almost almost in a negative way. I saw some people screw up and it was all hush hush. And no, they really didn't screw up. You don't see, don't look behind the curtain. Um, Wizard of Oz is on tonight and it kind of reminded me of that. But, you know, don't look behind the curtain because if you realize what's going on, it will make someone look bad. And at first I'm like, yes, they look bad. They're not as good as they think they are. But looking back, that was, I was cheering on the downfall of somebody. And it wasn't really, not just, it wasn't nice. It wasn't 
who I wanted to be. Cheering on the downfall of anybody to me is just wrong. Now, when I'm watching sports, if the other team screws up, I'm, I'm, I don't hate that. But if another athlete gets injured, I'm not going to be going, yes, he broke his leg. No, that's, that's different. I was, I was happy because a person that I knew really closely and still know today, um, she had always, I'd always thought she was perfect. And well, she wasn't. And at first I'm like, she's not perfect. And then I started thinking to myself, well, did I make her unperfect? Did I do this? And all my cheering by May of that year was more like, crap, I screwed up someone's life. She knew me. Before me, she was perfect. After me, she wasn't. Now, I didn't do anything that made her unperfect. Um, I'm not going to sully her name by saying that. Um, but her and I were close. And a weird close. Um, we, it was very, um, I hate you, I hate you, let's talk. <laughs> you know, it, it was a relationship of oddities. We we didn't like each other except for we talked to each other and we communicated with each other and we spent time together, not romantically, but we. it was weird. It was like, I hate you, but no one else can hate you because it's my job to hate you. And if anyone else hates you, then I'm upset with them. And it's funny for me looking back now because... A lot of the kids I graduated with did really, really big, beautiful, amazing things with their life. And a few of us, okay, half of us, didn't go down the big, beautiful path that I know of. Some of us got married, had kids. Some of us got married, had kids, got married, had kids, got married a few times. Um, some of us got married, didn't have any kids, but moved away. Uh, and a few of us stayed right here. Stayed in our hometown, pretty much. And I always watch these, you know, Hallmark movies and all these other movies of high school reunions and how people go back to them and they're like, you know, I'm going to remember when, da, 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 da. You remember when... We never had a high school reunion. Now, we look at each other on Facebook and we talk to one another. But I always thought, I always expected us to get back together because there was only six of us. And the six of us were tight. Well, five of us were tight and the sixth one was an exchange student. So the five of us were really, really tight. Like, hang out. All, to, all the time together. Really, we are special people together. But I haven't seen some of them, I don't know, in 30 years. 30 years. 
I've seen some a few times since. Uh, I think only one of them I've seen in the last five years. I saw a friend, a really close friend of mine, Nate. I saw it last time I saw him was, uh, I think, 2010. And it's now 2022. And that's because we don't have a high school union. We don't have any of that. We just decided to live our lives and kind of that was our old life. And here's our new one. Christy, I believe, lives in Texas. Debbie lives in Biddeford. Nate lives in Florida. John, I think, lives in Wells. Um, let's see, that's John, Christy, Debbie, me. Nate. Yeah, and then Avalardo was in Mexico. John went to school in Virginia, got a really good degree. Don't know what he does now. I think he works for his dad's company, water filtration company. Nate got his degree in computers. I don't know. I think he works for the lottery down in Florida. Um, Christy got her degree, but she got married and she has children. I have no idea if she actually works. Um, same with Debbie. I don't know what she does. Even though I just talked to her a couple days ago. Don't know what she does. And that's not because we hate each other. It's just we don't ask. And that's And that's kind of crazy if you think about it. We don't, you always expect four years together, you'll be like friends forever, like Saved by the Bell or Wonder Years or Boy Meets World or any of these shows that school, show school settings. It's not really like that. Not for everybody. It's not like that because our expectations is we're going to be friends forever, but our expectations are they're going to find us because we're too busy. They have more free time than we do. So they'll make sure it happens and I'll show up at the last minute. Everybody will, you know, hang on my every word because I'm so amazing. Reality is you send out a friend request on Facebook and they know what you look like at Christmas time when you post pictures. And that's it. When I got married, I had expectations too, you know. And I've been married for 28 years next month. My expectation was we'd be married forever. So we're, we're getting good on there. I'm never going to have an argument or a disagreement. I mean, it's been like two hours since we've had one. So I think we're good. No, I mean, marriage is hard. It's hard because you're two people trying to live together as one encourage one another, help each other grow. But you're a human being who wants to be selfish too and maybe do something for yourself. Um, it could be something as simple as a sporting event, a video game, a movie, where you go out to dinner, everything and anything in between. And that's the crazy part. You know, when I first got married, I'm like, oh, it won't be hard. I'll just do A, B, and C and it'll be great. Then you have some kids and bills and life happens. And it took us a long time to get where we are. And it's still a work in progress. I expected perfection. You know, I'm going to get married. I'm going to do this the right way. I'm going to da 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 
no arguments, no fighting. We're not going to go to bed angry. Reality is that it's not that simple. It's work every day. It's not getting along sometimes. It's not agreeing on things. But you know what? You still love each other. My kids, my daughter was born. Expect the best. She's going to be amazing. She is our miracle child. No one's ever going to hurt her. Nothing bad's going to happen. We're going to make sure she, you know, she grows up right, gets a degree, gets married, does things the right way. She gets her degree, doesn't use it. Gets married, guy turns out to be a scumbag, even though I thought he was a good person. Has a son. He's amazing. But it's hard for a parent to raise a child on their own. And though I hate divorce, her divorce is something that had to happen. It's the one thing I've never thought I'd say is, please get divorced. And I did, and she did, and I'm thankful for it. But, you know, that's kids. And then I have another son who's married, and they don't want kids. And it just, I I guess, myself, I always wanted children because I wanted I wanted the world to have a chance to have someone amazing in it. And maybe my child could be that person. And I have some pretty amazing kids. I mean, they're not they're not nuclear chemical bioengineers or whatever the heck. You know, they're not changing the world dynamic, you know, like curing a disease. But they're making certain people happy. They're helping certain people. You know, I haven't cured a disease. I haven't changed the axis of our planet. I haven't donated $2 billion to charity. But I've had kids in my life that we've helped out. I've spent quality time with people who needed quality time. I'm not amazing. I showed up. And like I've said in previous podcasts, a lot of times what the world needs is for people just to show up. They need people to show up, shut up, and listen to other people. Go to a soup kitchen. Go to a food pantry. Go to a foster home, a group foster home. Go and just listen to these people who the world has trampled on, stood on, and destroyed and just listen to them you know and that's that's what we need to do finally my biggest expectation is not teaching it's not my job I think it's what's happened to me recently um, in my life is death I know that sounds gruesome. My mother passed away about a month ago now, a month and a half ago. And I expected her to die, a whole bunch of people to show up to the funeral. Tears, tears, tears. Food, 
eat, game over, move on, done, go home. But this Christmas, it's weird. Um, as a kid, Christmas was always a big deal. Santa. Um, we had a Santa stat, like a Santa plastic Santa with a light in it. And a Mrs. Claus. And years ago, she gave that to me. She told me, you know, you can have it because it's been yours. We got it for you when you were little. Da, da, da. Santa's always... It's always been part of my Christmas tradition, you know? And this year, my wife, the love of my life, um, took those two, Mr. and Mrs. Claus, and she brought them back. She found some pictures of them online, what they used to look like, and she repainted them. And she brought them back. Now, the lights have been broken forever, so we ordered new lights. And this Christmas, along with my 70,000 lights, the focal point will be Mr. and Mrs. Claus for the first time in 30 years, 40 years. I don't know. I got my mother got them for me in 1975 when I was a year old. So it's been a long time since these things have been new. And it's funny, something as simple as Santa and Mrs. Claus. Um, something as simple as us getting an inflatable Christmas goat or a llama. Actually, I think, yeah. Or just small things that I know my mother would like. Um, like I said a couple podcasts ago, you know, the kids baked one day. They baked my mother's recipes. And it was amazing because to them it was fun. To me it was weird. It was weird because... I could look at something and say, no, that's wrong. Or, no, you're doing it right. And because I'd been around it, but I had always shut that part of my brain off. I didn't want to be part of it. I didn't want to think about it until she was gone. Then all I've wanted to do since she was gone is think about it. Remember it. Think about all those things that I took for granted. So Mr. and Mrs. Claus will be our focal point this year. I expected a quick end of life, end of my misery, end of everything, boom, done. And it hasn't happened. Reality is, it's been, it's been hard, harder than I thought. Hard because unlike my grandmother Alice or my aunt Erica or others who have died. Um, my mother had a day-to-day -day impact on my life as a child. Wasn't always good. Wasn't perfect. Never said it was. But she did. She did because one, she was there every day, but two, she was quirky. She, the way she did things wasn't, what most people would say is normal, you know? Everything from her Easter egg hunts to Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, she would always do things a certain way. It, and it never changed. She never adapted to the times. You know, she still used Crisco. She used, still used 
you know, lard. She just didn't care. It was, this is how it's always been done. And this is how it will be done. You know? It, Santa does not have an LED light in it. It's an old-fashioned, just big old fat light bulb. You know? And our Christmas angel that we put on top of the the Christmas tree, the San, it's a Santa. And, you know, that thing is worn out beat up we should replace it we won't we won't because that's something that I grew up always doing and my wife respects that and I'm really happy she does but my expectation again was for it to be quick and easy and I was going to move on I haven't and I, I don't know how I will Um, it's a little harder than I thought my mother was not the perfect person. Neither am I. My mother wasn't an angel. She had a lot of demons in her closet. And the people who cared about her, loved her, were there for her, we all knew them. It's not like she was hiding them well. But we loved her anyway. I'm not going to be like the Scrooge in the Christmas story that, you know, I'm going to get visited by three, you know, demons, angels, whatever, spirits. And I'm not going to go back and say, oh, if I just realized, I realize. Overall, I've had a really, really good life. Growing up as a kid, I did a lot of stupid, stupid things that normal people would say, I'm lucky to be alive. And I'm and, and I know that. Going growing up older, I got a chance to go to a school that I didn't deserve to be at. I got to be around people who were much nicer to me than I deserved. I had most, most of my teachers were amazing people who cared not just about my education, but about who I was. I have an amazing family with amazing kids and grandkids. An amazing, stupendous, fabulous, off-the-charts wife who literally has allowed me to do things that I never thought were possible. I had an amazing journey in the military where I got to see the world a little bit. The good, the bad, the ugly of it, and everything in between. And I've had amazing jobs teaching students. Students who tell me how much they hate history and then in the end of it yell at me because they like history. Or students who fall in love with King George III and they just, they think it's amazing and fabulous and stupendous and lots of other words that I can't think of on how King George, just his essence. I have students who never understood why public speaking or talking in front of people were important. 
who stand up in front of people now and recite the Gettysburg Address because they know that this skill is something that will make them stand out and be special. I taught during a pandemic where my students sometimes were afraid that they were going to die. And in the end, we all got through it. And by getting through it, they became better people, stronger people. Now, they were kids. They still are kids. But they did an amazing job in a world that was telling them that everything they did could kill them. And they didn't. They didn't buckle. They didn't turn around and run away. They faced it head on. I've had a pretty amazing life. When I was growing up, my expectations were for many, many different things. In the early 80s, I wanted to be Larry Bird and become a basketball player. Too short for that, not athletic enough. In the early 90s, I wanted to be a pastor, youth group leader, something like that. Not my thing. Late 90s, I just wanted to be a good husband, good father, good person that supported my family. And and I was, and I still am. But I think now what I've realized is every day is a new day. And I can expect to wake up tomorrow morning and everything be perfect. But that's just me giving out expectations and thinking what the day is going to be like is ruining the chance that I could experience something I didn't think of. I could be robbing myself of joy. Tomorrow my grandson's going to be here at 6.30 in the morning. We're going to go to Roma Joe's and get hash browns and lemonade. We're going to go to church. We're going to bring food to a food pantry and watch a football game. That's my my plans for tomorrow. Who knows what's actually going to happen? And that's the best part. You never know what's going to happen. Don't expect things to happen. Just love them when they do. Reach out and say, let's go. Let's go. Let's enjoy this time we have. Good, bad, ugly, amazing, stupendous scary adventure is great when you don't know what's coming because you can always plan ahead for things but sometimes isn't it better to just see what happens thank you for joining me tonight today this afternoon i hope this is helping somebody else out there other than just myself if it's not you can tell me. If it is, you can tell me. I'm I'm here either way. Thank you for listening to Category Mistake. I'm your host, Richard Mariello. Have a beautiful day.